0: If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 23 we'll be reading verses 33 through 43 if you'd stay with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word and the Lord spoke to Moses saying speak to the people of Israel saying on the 15th day of this seventh month and for seven days is a feast of booths to the Lord on the first day you shall I'm sorry, on the first day shall be a holy convocation you shall do no ordinary work for seven days you shall present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall do no ordinary work. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as times of holy convocation. For presenting to the Lord food offerings, burn offerings, and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings, each on its proper day. Besides the Lord's Sabbath, and besides your gifts, and besides all your vow offerings, and besides all your free will offerings, which you give to the Lord. On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. On the first day, uh, on the first day shall be a solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest, and you shall take. On the first day, the fruit of the splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It is a statue forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in the booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out before the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
1: You're going to want to keep your Bibles in Leviticus chapter 23. Uh, We're going to be there for uh, a good part of our message today, or at least it's going to be helpful for our message today. Um, Hold a finger there and turn with me to John chapter 7, John chapter 7. So today, uh, right now where we are in John chapter 7, we are now entering into the final months of Jesus' life on earth, so that may seem odd that we're in chapter 7 and we've still got... Another 14 chapters or so to go in the book of John, but we're in the last couple of months. But that's exactly how John lays this out. There's a good part of Jesus' ministry in Galilee that John doesn't cover because Matthew, Mark, and Luke covered it uh, fairly well. So John does not cover that aspect. So here we are in John chapter 7. We're coming up on the last months of Jesus' life, and uh, we're moving We're moving very quickly toward that time Um As we come to our passage today, there's some really very important background information that we need as we approach this chapter. Particularly if we look in chapter 7 and verse 2, it shows that John points out that there's a very important feast taking place, a feast called the Feast of Booze. This uh, This is much more than a way for John to tell us what time of the year it is. In fact, John is trying to help us, understand the scriptural significance of what is going on in the sections that follow. So to help set the stage for the rest of the chapter, it's going to be really important for us to understand exactly what God is trying to do trying to show us through the Gospel of John. To that end we need to review the importance of the Feast of Israel or more or more uh, clearly or more, and more and really the Feast of God. So uh, just so we're on the same page I want to, I, want, I don't want you to be surprised about what's going to happen here today. Just so we're on the same page, this background is going to take some time. We're going to be parked doing some background for a while. As I walk through this first section, this background area, I, I would I would ask you to take notes on anything you may not understand. I'm telling you, it's, this is complicated stuff. It's very, it's very thick information. So if you have, uh, if you have uh, a piece of paper with you, I, I urge you to write down stuff that you might have questions about, something that you might have missed, um, because there's going to be a lot. A lot of this is going to be very new information for you, as, as it has been uh, for me. Uh, so uh, what we'll do then, uh, if you have, if anything you don't understand, questions you may have, or whatever, once I finish this introductory section. I'm going to try to take us really quickly through 1 through 20 verses, 1 through 24, as quickly as I possibly can, um, as much as we get get the, the the meat out of that passage. And if we have time, we'll hopefully be able to take some questions at the end, and that way we can maybe have a little bit of a question and answer time at the end, uh, just to help us all out. Now, if we don't have time, uh, which is probably more likely, you guys know me pretty well, uh, the fact that we would have time at the end of the service would be probably pretty strange. But if we don't have time, I urge you to grab me after the service. I would love to spend some time talking with you, help me make sure you understand. Because, um, again, this is really central to the entire biblical narrative, really. Um, we've talked about several themes that are central to understanding the entirety of Scripture. This is one of those themes, the understanding of the Gospel of John, understanding the Scripture as a whole, understanding Jesus. This is really important. So I want to make sure that we don't miss any of that. Does that make sense? Um, all right, so uh, we're, uh, because it's going to be pretty new information, this is what we want to do. So I was introduced to this a couple of years ago by a friend of mine named C.J. Davis. C.J. is an Old Testament scholar um, working on his doctorate now, I believe. Um, so this week, I touched base back with him again. I wanted to get, get this kind of refreshed in my mind, what exactly is going on. So right off, I want to challenge you. So you might think, what's the get, if most of this is going to be background stuff, what's the application, right? What's the application? This is the application right here. I want to challenge you that, as we, uh, that we, you will listen and that you'll learn. Uh, we're about to dive into some really in-depth Bible study that I believe will draw your hearts and my heart and our minds to adore our Savior and to treasure our Bibles. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to have our minds and our hearts drawn to love Jesus more and to love our Bibles that much more. That's our application. Will you worship together as a church as we grow deeper in our knowledge of Scripture? I hope that you will. Well, let's read our passage and then we'll get, get into our background information. After this, uh, in John chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booze was at hand. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers in him. believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it, and its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, he's a good man. Others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, He will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent me is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it was Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's body well? Do not judge yourself, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity we have to look at your scriptures, to understand this grand narrative that you have laid for us in our our Bibles, Lord, that, that may have been staring us in the face and we just missed it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn to love your scriptures that much more today. Lord, draw my mind and my heart to love and adore you and to worship you. Lord, I pray that this congregation would do the same, that we would just love you more and love our scriptures more. In your name, amen. So if you saw in chapter 7 and verse 2 of John, there's a feast going on called the Feast of Booths. Right there's also other names for it. Sometimes it's called the Feast of Tabernacles. The word booze is the Hebrew word Sukkot. So oftentimes you might hear somebody call this holiday Sukkot, uh, the Feast of Sukkot. Um, it's the Feast of Booze, the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot. They're all the same same words for the, or same phrases for the same feast. Now, what then? Do, we need to understand what is going on with the feast. All right. Now, this is where we need to step back and kind of take a broad view. This is where you're going to need to be in Leviticus chapter 23. All right. So if you have Leviticus 23 in your Bibles still uh, available to you, uh, open that up. Um, We're going to do kind of some broad brushstrokes, understanding of, 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 of what's going on here in Leviticus 23. Now, in Leviticus 23, God prescribes seven different feasts that the people of Israel are supposed to participate in every single year. There are four feasts that take place in the spring, and there are three feasts that take place in the fall. The, the spring feasts are right before the harvest. The, the fall feasts are after the harvest. Okay, So really what we have here, to kind of give some broad brushstrokes understanding of this passage, this feast calendar is ultimately is God's redemptive calendar for the world. Okay, now you might think, how does... How does what is, what are you talking about? What does that even mean? So uh, what, let's, let's, let's stop here. Then let's work through all these different feasts. Um, first of all, let's look at the Feast of Passover. This, is the fir- this one is mentioned in verse 4 and following. Um, it, sa- it says, uh, there is, uh, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. In the first month, on the 14th of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. So pause right there. What does this have to do with God's redemptive calendar? What is the Passover? What is it a celebration of? The Passover is a celebration of the time when, when the, the death angel, the tenth plague was taking place. And, and the, the angel of the Lord was, was pa- passed over all the houses, passed over all the houses that had the blood on the doorposts, Right? When, when sin was atoned for, when, when God passed over the sins of the people. And if they didn't have the blood on the door, then the, those people, the firstborn was killed in every one of those households. And that's what cel- the Passover celebration is meant to look back at that. But it's also to look forward to God's redemption of mankind. Now, does anybody remember what day Jesus was crucified on? It's Passover. Right, so it was during the feast of Passover that Jesus was crucified, right? So during the feast of Passover, Jesus is crucified. Jesus is then the ultimate Passover lamb. Now, kind of uh, uh, to, to step back and look at that really quickly, um, uh, this Passover lamb uh, in, uh, hold on here. I'm, my no, I think I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's, let's hold off on that. So Jesus then is the Passover lamb. He is crucified on Passover. The Feast of Unleavened Bread takes place when? Look at this next one. Um, And on the 15th day, so it's the very next day, right? On the 15th day uh, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation, you shall do no ordinary work, but you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation, you shall not do any ordinary work. So the day after Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What takes place on the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Jesus is buried. The day after he's crucified, he's buried. So you have the death of Christ takes place on Passover, Jesus' burial takes place on the, to the day on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then we see the next feast is the feast of first fruits. This feast of first fruits is described in verses nine through fourteen. And this takes place a couple of days after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and to them, when you come into the land that I give you to and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priests. And you shall wave the sheaf before the Lord, so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, The priest shall wave it, and on that day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb and a year old without blemish and a burnt offering, and a grain offering. When it uh, with it shall be two tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, uh, and so on. So this 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 celebration of the of first fruits takes place on the Sabbath day after the Passover, right? Which would be three days after the Passover, and this would be the resurrection. Yeah, it would be right right after that. Yeah. So yeah. So Jesus is raised from the dead on the feast of first fruits, a couple of days afterwards, that day after that sabbath. Right? So we have this this right out already we're seeing that these, these these feasts end up being this calendar for God's redemptive plan, the first four feasts are when jesus jesus first coming the second three feasts are jesus uh second coming is really kind of what this amounts to now again you might think okay what about the fourth feast then in the in the the fourth spring feast this is the day of pentecost it's all called the feast of weeks maybe in your bible um if you count this out it says you shall count seven full weeks which is 49 days plus a day which includes so including the sabbath 49 days after the sabbath from the day so it's 50 days after the passover Right, which is the the celebration of Pentecost. Okay, so Pentecost. What happens at Pentecost? 50 days after Jesus after Jesus' death, 50 days after that Passover is Pentecost, and that's in Acts chapter two. What takes place on Pentecost? Holy the Holy Spirit arrives right on the scene, right, and thousands of people are saved. Wow. Okay, so let's back up from that even. What, when is Pentecost? Now in Exodus, when the, this, the day of Pentecost is the day that the people of Israel get to Mount Sinai. They have left Egypt and they celebrate Passover when they leave Egypt. And 50 days later is when they get to Mount Sinai. Now at, the Mount, at Mount Sinai, something really interesting is going on here as well. There is a, a story that we know of from later on in the scriptures. There is uh, the golden calf. Uh, In in Exodus chapter 32, there's a group of the the Israelites begin worshiping a golden calf. And because of this worship of the golden calf, the sons of Levi are asked to do something. God commands them to kill everyone that was taking part in this whole thing, right? Or or some of the people who were taking part in this whole thing. It amounts to 3,000 people that were killed because of the golden calf. Now, fast forward to Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. How many people were saved on the day of Pentecost? When the Holy Spirit came down. 3,000 people. There's a reversal of the first Pentecost. From the first Pentecost and the Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people died in Exodus 32. 3,000 people were saved in Acts chapter 2. Wow. Right, so these first four feasts all take place in Jesus' first coming. These second three feasts all take place in Jesus' second coming. There's a there's a four month intermission between these two time periods Uh, between the first four feasts and the second three feasts. There's a four month time period. That's the time of harvest. That's that's when the harvesting would be taking place Um, between the between uh, like you know so say from the end of the year uh, after the seventh feast to back to over to Passover. That's rainy season and then you have the 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 harvest taking place and so on and the harvest takes place in those four months between these two sets of feasts. Now, John in John chapter four brings this up where Jesus says, you guys say four months and then the harvest, right? Well, I tell you, the fields are white for harvest. What is Jesus talking about? Saying that the harvest time is about to come. So if you're thinking about this calendar, where are we right now? We're in the four months of harvest between the first coming and the second coming. Okay? So that's where we're at. We're in this, this time period between the two between uh, Jesus' first coming and his second coming, uh, during the time of harvest. So the next, the next uh, feast that's brought up is, uh, starts in verse 23. It's the feast of trumpets. Now if you know your Bibles well, uh, you will know that the end times is declared through what? A trumpet.? Right? The trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Right? So the inauguration of the second coming, the beginning of the second coming, takes place with trumpets. So you have this imagery of trumpets, the uh, blowing of the horns, the end of the harvest. The next one, the next feast is the Day of Atonement. Now, an atonement could be made for any individual during, at any point during the year. Right? An individual didn't have to wait for a certain festival. To uh, make atonement for their own individual sin. Yet there's this holiday, this feast day called the Day of Atonement, really the Day of Atonements, where the, where the aton- atonement is made for the sins of all the people of Israel. Right? It's a national forgiveness of sin, it's a national atonement. Atonement can be, uh, this, this is a national feast of atonement. Leviticus 16 is a description of the Day of Atonement and what all takes place there. There's a national feast of atonement for Israel. Um, so, so really this, this point in time, this is talking about the end times when they're after the trumpet is blown and there is a feast that takes place this day of atonement where, where, where the people of Israel realize that Jesus is their Lord. People of Israel realize that Jesus is their Lord. In fact, Isaiah 53, uh, is, is understood to be Israel's concession speech Uh, understanding that they have just killed their brother, the suffering servant. Isaiah 53 says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is sent to the slaughter. Like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken from the tra- for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He is put into grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offering. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death. And was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So there we have in, in Isaiah 53 is kind of this Israel's national concession speech saying, I've surrendered. We were wrong. We killed the Messiah. That is the Messiah. He is our Savior. That's it. He's the one who died for our sins. So again, this is all looking to the future. This is, some, this is the, the, the ultimate fulfillment of the Day of Atonement that takes place in, in Christ's second coming. So then we come to the final feast. This is the feast we're focusing on today. It's called the Feast of Booths. This is the biggest, most important feast to the people of Israel. This is their biggest celebration. This is the biggest party you can imagine. This is a seven-day-long feast this is a seven-day-long celebration. Now, think about this. This is, the seventh di- this is the seventh feast. It lasts for seven days. It takes place in the seventh month on their calendar. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, see, numbers are significant. However, when Scripture is clear that numbers are significant, they're significant, right? God rested on the seventh day. John himself has already made a big deal about the number seven. We saw that early on in our study of the book of John. The number seven is this number of completion. It's this number of finality. It's this, it's, this, it's this very significant and important number in Scripture. And here we have this feast that takes place for seven days in the seventh month, and it's the seventh feast. So on the 15th day of the seventh month through the 21st day of the seventh month, these are the time periods this will take place. You look in, uh, from our Scripture reading today. We saw that uh, beginning in verse 39. It says, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered the produce in the land, you shall celebrate the feasts, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord's for seven days. If you do the math, that's fifteen to twenty-one. From the fifteenth day of the seventh month to the twenty-first day of the seventh month. So this is a pretty a pretty big deal. And how do they celebrate this feast? Look at verse 40. You shall take on the first day of the fruits of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. What do they do to celebrate the Feast of Booths? They're waving palm branches. Any of that sound familiar yet? Hold on, let's move forward here. John mentions feasts more than any other gospel. Matthew mentions the feast, mentions feast twice. Mark mentions the feast twice. Luke mentions the feast three times. John, however, mentions the feast 17 times. Significantly more than any of, the, any of the other gospels. John is very concerned to show the importance of these feasts. So in John, in John chapter 7, says they're doing this, the feast of booze is going on. For John, that's saying, you've got to pay attention right here, guys. This is some important stuff about to go down, right? So another thing we need to know about the Feast of Booze is that, is that the, the final day, the seventh day of the feast, the last day of the feast, was often called uh, by the people. It was known as the Great Hosanna. On that day, the day of the Great Hosanna, they would sing from Psalm chapter 118. Uh, and that, that was, so the Psalm 118 became, became kind of a centerpiece of their worship on the, on the Great Hosanna. And we'll talk a little bit more about what took place on the Great Hosanna um, but first, let's let's kind of uh, get some get get back uh, take some background here again. Um, so they, they're take, they're supposed to take branches as we saw in Leviticus twenty three. They take branches and they and they're supposed to um, build tabernacles. Look at this. It says you shall celebrate it. As, uh, back to twenty three verse forty one. You shall celebrate it as a feast feast of the Lord for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths. For seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths. So basically like little tents. Little canvas tents. That uh, you shall, all your native Israelites shall dwell in booths. That your generation may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths. When I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So this Time period here when the Feast of Booths is being celebrated. This is right at the beginning of the rainy season. So the prayer here was for rain. They were praying for rain. This feast, this celebration was we had a great harvest. We're praying for rain to come so that we can have a good harvest again next year. This is a harvest festival then. Uh, it's, it is it, it's, it, it's in part, it's a harvest festival as they're praying for rain. Now in Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 3, Isaiah explains theologically what we spo- how are we supposed to understand the rain that they're praying for? What is this water? Verses, verse 3 of Isaiah chapter 44 says this. "says For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offering and my blessing upon your descendants. For the scriptures, for Isaiah chapter 44, the water that they should be expecting is the Holy Spirit. The true water that they're waiting to be poured out is the Holy Spirit who's going to pour out on them. In Numbers 29... Numbers 29 gives some more description of this feast, the Feast of Booths. He describes, uh, Numbers 29 gives the prescription for all the sacrifices that, they should take, that should take place. If you look at Numbers 29, it says, do this many on this day, this many on this day, this many on this day, all the way through all seven days. If you were to count all of that up, during the seven-day feast, they're supposed to sacrifice 70 bulls. 70 bulls would be sacrificed on this day. Those 70 bulls, Were intended to represent the 70 nations that are mentioned in Genesis chapter 10. In fact, the people of Israel understood this to be the case as well as they celebrated the feast. So the 70 bulls represent the 70 nations of Genesis chapter 10. The tabernacles then, this feast of booze, becomes a picture of God's final harvest of Jews and Gentiles, of all nations gathering together. This becomes a picture of God tabernacling Among his people, with Jew and Gentile alike. Further, we can see that in in 1 Kings chapter 8. um, Solomon has just finished building the temple, this magnificent structure. He builds this temple in 1 Kings chapter 8. And when they finish the temple, they celebrate the Feast of Booths. If you read through the chapter, it talks about how this this inauguration, this beginning of this festival takes place in the seventh month. And what do they do? After After they finish, he sacrifices animals. They're in the seventh month and he's doing sacrifices. He's celebrating the Feast of Booze. On a much grander scale, on a gigantic scale, he's sacrificing like 122,000 bulls or something like that. And 100-something thousand sheep. It's, it's crazy. The sacrifice that takes place uh, to, to uh, implement the temple is, is, is bizarre. It's amazing. But part of his prayer, part of Solomon's prayer in uh, Psalm chapter 118, or not Psalm 118, in 1 uh, in Kings chapter 8, Uh, In 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 2, this is where we find out it's in the seventh month. It says King Solomon um, and all the men of Israel assembled the King Solomon at the feast in the month uh, Ithanim, which is the seventh month. So they're all celebrating a feast in the seventh month. So that's in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 2. Um, In verses 41. Through 43, we see this idea that all nations are accepted at the feast. It says likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall hear your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when he comes and prays towards this house. Hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all which the foreigner calls to you, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know that your, may know your name and fear you as do your people, Israel. And that they may know that the house that I have built is called by your name. In other words, Solomon, in his prayer of dedication for the temple, says, This is a place for all people to worship. This is a place for all those who would worship the Lord for them to come and worship, so God can dwell amongst his people, Jew and Gentile alike. And further, uh, we see in verse 60 it says, It says, uh, part of this dedication, uh, Solomon again says that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. In verse 65 and 66 then, Solomon held the feast at this time, at that time. And all Israel with him, a great assembly um, before the Lord uh, for seven days. So what, what feast in the seventh month would they be celebrating for seven days other than the Feast of Booze? On the eighth day, he sent the people away, just like God had said. on the eighth day is a day of solemn rest. He sends the people away. so he is a, he is celebrating the Feast of booze here uh, it, at the dedication of the, ta- of the of the temple. All right, you guys with me so far we 're about to hit some really heavy stuff here. This is going to blow your minds. all right, if you haven't already had your mind blown, we are trying to decide what color that mind blowing fluid is. We were joking anyway, never mind. that was a joke at uh, breakfast. Anyway, turn with me to Haggai chapter 2. Now I know you all came here expecting. You had to think you had were doing your devotions in Haggai this morning. You're know, like, I really hope we talk about Haggai today, right? Every one of us. Everybody said yes. There you go. No, just kidding. Um, uh, Haggai, the word Haggai, the name Haggai means my feasts, right? So here we already have the name of the book is called My Feasts. Now, after this is this is after the people have come back and they've rebuilt the temple. They've come back from they were in uh, captivity in Babylon, and they're returning from captivity. And now they are rebuilt. They've rebuilt the tabernacle. And, and excuse me, the people who remember the old tabernacle, the one that Solomon had built, they're really de- they're really upset and really depressed about what's about this new temple. The second temple does not look anything nearly as amazing as the as the temple that Solomon had built. So they're mourning that fact. Um, yet God is about to say something that should that He is going to say something even greater is going to happen at the second temple. Look at verse two or chapter two. In the seventh month. On the 21st day of the month. What do we know about the 21st day of the 7th month? This is the last day of the Feast of Booze. Right? On the 7th month, on the 21st day of the month, this is the day of the great Hosanna. This is the final day, the climactic day of the Feast of Booze. The Lord of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel the son of, of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak. Sorry if I'm pronouncing these names wrong. I'm not Jewish. So, um, the high priest and to all the remnant of the people and say, who is left among you and who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst, fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, as says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory, the, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So this is on the seventh day, the great Hosanna, the seventh day of this of this feast. And um, so this is this is what's going on here. The people God promises that the for, the, the glory of the second temple that doesn't look nearly as good, is going to be better than the glory of the, of the first temple that looked way better. So God makes this promise in Haggai chapter 2. Was the glory of the second temple ever filled with the glory of God as the way the first was? We might be tempted to say no. However, in John chapter 7, where we are, in a couple of weeks we're going to get to Verse 37. It says on the last day of the Feast of Booths. They're celebrating the Feast of Booths on the last day. So on the 21st day of the seventh month, the seventh day, the great Hosanna, Jesus is standing in the temple. Jesus is fulfilling Haggai chapter 2. The very presence of God is in the temple on the great Hosanna during this, this whole passage was what's going on in, cha- in John chapter 7. And it's filled with the glory of the Lord. In fact, Jesus makes a claim in John chapter 7, uh, which we'll get, to next, we'll get to in a couple of weeks. It says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. The promise of water that the people were waiting for. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of water. Now this he said about the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Yet here we have Christ filling the temple with his glory. In a way that never happened in the first temple. The glory of the presence of God in the second temple far exceeded the glory in the first temple. But that's not the end of the story. Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14, verses four through nine, says this, on that day, Uh, his feet, uh, on on that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. The Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half shall move southward. And you shall flee to the valley of the mountains for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal. And you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. On that day there shall be no light, cold or frost, and there shall, be a unique, there shall be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day or night, but at evening there shall be light. On that day living waters shall flow out of Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea, It shall continue in summer as in winter. So you have the same imagery of the Feast of Booths going on in Zechariah chapter 14 about living waters says that there's, this, guy's gonna, this person is going to stand on the Mount of Olives, this person who is the Messiah, who is the Savior, is going to stand on the Mount of Olives and there's no, going to be no light until the Messiah provides supernatural light. In verse 8, uh, there's li- the living waters flow out of Jerusalem. Again, Isaiah 44 verses 3 and 4 tells us that that water that flows from Jerusalem is the Holy Spirit. That's the living water that flows from Jerusalem. So the Jews expected the Messiah to come at the, at the Feast of Tabernacles because of of Zechariah, right? They know Zechariah chapter 14. So they fully expected that if, if the Messiah is going to come, he's going to show up at the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what they're expecting to happen, right? And so here Jesus is at the Feast of Booze during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, and he's promising that the Holy Spirit is going to come, and that's what John tells us. Yet the people don't believe right this is their expectation this is their promise and yet they don't believe the Jews expected the Messiah to come at the feast of tabernacles because of Zechariah when Jesus stood out in the temple and cried out it was this was during the time of the great Hosanna on the day of the great Hosanna so kind of some background to the second temple time period because of the longing for God to send water in the Holy Spirit the priests would go down from the temple to the pool of Siloam so this is part of their celebration of the feast They'd march around the altar and spill golden pans full of water over the altar. While this happened, the people would wave palm branches and they would read from Psalm 118 on the seventh day. On the seventh day, they marched around the altar seven times and dumped water on the altar. They expected the Messiah to come during that time. And again, this is the time when Jesus says, come to me, I'm the living water. When they're doing this stuff with all the water, he said, I'm the living water. I'm the real feast of tabernacles. I'm the one you need to be looking for. In John, he makes the note that Jesus declares that whoever is thirsty should come to him, as the scripture has said. that be the scripture being Haggai, Leviticus, and Zechariah. John inserts that this was about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then was given at Pentecost, or, uh, or the Feast of Weeks, um, as the means by which God desires this, this, to accomplish this feast. Um, so this takes place again it, during part of Jesus' first coming at, the, at Pentecost. Revelation chapter 7, 9. This is going to be one of the last places we go here. Revelation chapter 7, 9. After this I looked, and behold, beginning in verse 9, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So you have people from all tribes and tongues and nations, and what are they doing? What feast are they celebrating? They're celebrating the Feast of Booze, waving palm branches, just like they were told to do in Leviticus chapter 23. People from all tribes and tongues and nations celebrating the Feast of Booze. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these uh, clothed in white, and from, where, and, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. Now let's pause there. In the original Greek, this phrase that it says here, it says that he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. What that literally says, what the, what the original language literally says is that he came to spread his tabernacle among them. That's what this passage really is saying in verse 15 there. He came to spread his tabernacle among them. This right here in, John, in Revelation chapter 7 is this ingathering of Jew and Gentiles celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles together. It is the, the inauguration of the Feast of Tabernacles takes place in John chapter 7. This is the beginning of, of the feast. This is, this is kind of the, the starting point of the feast. And the culmination of the feast takes place in Revelation chapter 7 where the people, all tribes and tongues and nations worship the Lord together. So let's uh, uh, st- take another step back. And there's, look at this command. In, 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 look at, remember the command in Leviticus 23 to build booths. The careful reader will notice that there is never a place in the Old Ta- Testament up to Leviticus 23 where they're said to live in booths. In Leviticus 23, it says to go and, and, and live in booths because that's where I told you, that's where you live. That's where I told you to live, right? But there's never a place in Scripture where it says that they were told to live in little tents. <laughs> There's never a command in scripture for them to do that. The first place, however, that the people go to after Egypt is a place called booths. If you look in, the, in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 37, the people leave Egypt. They leave the, place, the, the nation of Egypt and the first city they, sit, they come to is a city called Sukkot, which means booths. So what he's saying is not, not to remember the time when you lived in tents. He's saying, remember the time when you were freed from, the, from your slavery, when you were freed from bondage. That's what this feast is, to remember the time when you were freed. Your first, the first place you lived at since you attained your freedom from bondage. <clears throat> so he's saying to remember my deliverance from Egypt to a place called Booz. And then if you notice here, then, as we, as we go back and step back and look at all of Scripture, then, we kind of have this increase in God tabernacling, dwelling with us, right? First of all, there's a place called booze, where God dwells with the people. Then they're told to dwell in booze in Leviticus 23. Then God dwells in the tabernacle that they build. Then the temple. Then the second temple. Then God dwells among his people through Jesus Christ, tabernacles among his people through Jesus Christ. Then finally, as we see in Revelation chapter seven, God ultimately tabernacles with his people in the most final way in the new heavens and new earth. Wow. These feasts just are, are screaming out. This is God's timeline. This is what God is doing and how he's bringing salvation to his people. Couple of side notes, really quickly. Uh, we're not going to get back to John chapter seven, uh, so I do apologize for that. We'll try to maybe try to pick up that uh, a couple of pieces from that in a couple of weeks here. Um, in Mark 16 and 17, uh, this is uh, during the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. I uh, remember Jesus; uh, he is changed, and in the, in the, in the, the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, see Jesus in all of his glory. Right as he was origin as he was in all of his glory before he came to this earth, and who shows up with him? Elijah and Moses. Now, when Peter sees this, what does Peter want to do? You guys remember? He says, "Right, let's build tabernacles." Why does Peter want to do this? He remembers Zechariah 14. He says this great light is going to show up. The supernatural light is going to show up. Peter thinks booze is happening right now. Says, "Hey guys, this is the feast of booze. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's build tents. Let's do this thing." What Peter forgot is that Jesus first had to be Passover lamb before he could be Tabernacles. Peter's timeline was all wrong. It's the only thing. All Peter got wrong was he was messed up the timeline. Jesus first had to be the sacrificial lamb. Matthew chapter twenty-one. The same thing, Jesus comes in on a donkey, which is prophesied in Zechariah 9. And what do the people do when Jesus rides in on a donkey? They start waving palm branches, saying, Hosanna in the highest. They begin trying to celebrate the Feast of Booze by singing the great Hosanna to Christ as he comes in on a donkey. Their chronology was also wrong. They didn't realize that that the Messiah first needed to be the Passover lamb, the lamb without blemish and without spot sacrifice for the iniquity of the people. It wasn't until after that takes place, and it's again, we get to, we'll be able to be a part of this ultimate feast of booze one day when Jesus, when God tabernacles with us forever. What a great day that's gonna be. What a savior we have. What a Bible we have. It just opens us up to this world. It's just God is showing himself through the text in so many ways. Ain't yeah, we miss it so often? Let me pray for us as we uh, as we as we are dismissed. Um, again, I apologize we didn't get through this. Uh, we are a little bit over right now. I want to encourage you if you do have any questions, uh, any thoughts, um, or want to talk about this more. I would love to sit and chat with you. Um, again, this is I, I'm not an expert in this area. Maybe We will have to get CJ out here to come and talk about all this and and do this in a little bit more detailed way. Um, but I hope, that, I hope that you grow to love Jesus more through knowing this, knowing more about your scriptures, about your about God's word. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this opportunity we have to, um, to learn and worship with one another. Lord, to see your word in all of its glory, to see how you have a plan, you have a purpose, that Lord, you have been working out your purposes for all of eternity. And Lord, you showed that through these feasts, and Lord, ultimately we, we see that one day you will ultimately tabernacle with us, and Lord, we get a glimpse of that when Jesus tabernacles with us um, in, in the Gospel of John and through his life and ministry. Lord, we get just a small glimpse of that glory. And Lord, I pray that, that we would be excited, that we would be a people who would love to study our Bibles, that we would love to grow deeper in knowledge of you, and Lord, that would cause us to worship you, to obey you, to, uh, to drive us to love you more. In your name, amen.